Do I sound as raspy out loud as I feel in my head? A little bit. Okay. It's not bad, but I can tell there's something there. Yeah. I'm so much better than I have in the last few days. Like I woke up and I was like, oh, I can breathe through my nose. Yeah. So progress has been made. Yeah, that's And pretty... I also just don't feel like we can end the year without wrapping up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's how I've been the past few days too. So <clears throat> it's good that we're going to try to do this again. Yeah, we got this. <laughs> yeah, let's hope this time goes better. <laughs> it seems like everything is fine and dandy right now, but... If stuff starts to happen like last time, I'll try to pause this. That way I can at least get stuff saved. <laughs> definitely. And maybe if we need to like take like cough or nose blowing breaks. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We'll, we won't lose things because we'll do them in smaller pieces. Yeah, that too. <clears throat> this is definitely a change. This is a morning edition. I don't think I've ever done this before, like noon. Yeah, I don't think we have either. I'm just really sad because last time we were so proud of ourselves for drinking I know. <laughs> and now, like, you've got coffee. I've got a Powerade. Because <laughs> I've already had many cups of coffee today. Yeah. Like, I'm so sad. We still have to make a we're having a beer episode. Yeah, no kidding. Just a just a BS episode. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, maybe we could play a drinking game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> While recording, like, a recording, recording an episode drinking game. <laughs> see how silly we get by the end. Yeah. So you're not going to be able to see it, but it'll be worth it just to hear it. <laughs> Probably. We're entertaining. Mm-hmm. I think so. All right, so... Um, what do we want to start with? Well... Books, movies, or TV? Well, just... I feel like I'm going to talk the most about TV, so I feel like we should say that one for last. Okay. Um, well, for me, movies, since I'm still planning on doing a top 19 of 2019, I just did specifically uh, horror movies for my list. Okay. Because there was only... I think these might there might have been one or two more on that list, but I still haven't narrowed it down. So a couple of those might get kicked off. The couple I left out. So yeah. So these are probably my well, definitive top five for the year. And I could only come up with four um, because when we talked last night, I was like, really, I needed to know that I like I loved this. I was gonna watch it again. It was gonna make me feel happy things if I watched it again. And I just didn't feel that way about more than four movies. Mm. And actually, one of them I'm still kind of like, eh. Maybe see that um, one for last then. <laughs> yeah, well, because that's the thing too is that when you have a kid, it's really hard to go to the movies. Yeah. So a movie has to really feel worth it for me to actually like find a babysitter or you know leave her somewhere, do something. Um, although I'm pretty sure that's what I'm gonna do tomorrow. Um, it's uh, on Monday because it's my birthday. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna like take a day to myself. She's going to daycare. I'm probably gonna go see Little Women or Frozen too. There you go. So because I heard really good things about the Little Women ap- adaptation. So. You're not going to go see cats? Oh my god, no. That is nightmare <laughs> fuel that I do not need. And honestly, I've never been a big fan of cats. Yeah. Even previous to this, as a theater person in high school and like liking musicals and stuff, cats has never done it for me. I forgot that they even released like a filmed version of the Broadway musical, and even that had terrible reviews. So I don't know anything about yeah. cats, but from what I understand, it sounds like it's not a very good musical to begin with, even though it's beloved by so many people. Yeah. No, I feel like that, that it's almost like a period piece of like the drama of it just does not translate to now. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. So I guess what we're saying is let's start with books. All right. Yeah. Let's start with books. Um, I'm disappointed. In Mine myself. are not in any particular order. You know that about me. So um, I don't think any of my stuff's in 
order because otherwise we I'd still probably be going over it. <laughs> still so. making it. Yeah, yeah. So I just went with the the order that I read them in this year, and I'm disappointed with myself because I set my goal of, <laughs> of books at 50, and I read 31, and a couple of them were probably novellas. So that counts. Yeah. Um. Well, the first the first one is the first Stephen King book I read this year, and that was Desperation. Mm. Which, um, really, because I people don't usually like desperation in the regulators. I I didn't get to the regulators yet, but um, desperation the it, it like all Stephen King books, it kind of has a lull in the middle. But the the first third and the last third were just absolutely bonkers, and the, it starts off so well too. It's I feel like you get a King book that either starts off kind of slow and brooding and builds or you get one that starts at 100 and keeps going for half the book and that's how this one is it starts at 100 and, and dips like I said in the middle third but it picks up immensely in the last third and it's it's all a crazy ride okay um well my my first book that I'll talk about is similar was The Stand mm-hmm. I read that for the first time this year um I think it didn't help that my summer cold happened while I was reading it. Mm-hmm. Although everybody tells me that that's some sort of rule. So I wonder if it's like psychosomatic mm, when yeah. you read the beginning of that book that you're like, ah, Captain Trips, here it comes. Yeah. Um, but I'd never read it before. It was a lot less daunting than I thought it was going to be once I actually started reading it. Like Liz and I had set up our read along to take three months. I could have read that in a month. Yeah. Um, even and including reading other books. Um, it's just it is massive. Um, according to Goodreads, it's my longest book from the year because it was the unabridged uh, author's cut. Yeah. Um, but it, it is it's so compulsive and so readable. And I'm really excited to see the new miniseries. I still haven't watched the original. I'll get there. Um, but I'm really I'm really excited to see what they do with it. And I, I know a lot of people don't, but I really like the casting and I'm excited. Yeah, no, the casting I'm really excited about. The the only one that I'm I, I've been critical. You say James Marsden, I'm gonna punch you. No, no, no. It's I, I I love Whoopi Goldberg, but that I feel like that's oh yeah too big of a personality for the stand. You're just gonna get kind of taken out of it. But who knows? Good directing and good acting there. can you know can change that. So we'll see. Um, I remember, I think I read that in either last last year or year before, and I think it once you sit down and read it, it really doesn't take that long even though it's 1100 pages i think i read it in three and a half maybe four weeks i finished i remember i started it in january and finished it before the month ended so well i feel like even though the pace changes i can't say the book ever felt slow and i think it was the first stephen king book i've read in a while where things that happened surprised me mm, yeah yeah i'm i'm i i, I was kind of itching for another book like that that had um a huge story with lots of characters. So I tried under the dome and I got about 250 pages in and called it quits. I don't know if I just wasn't liking it or if my ADD mood reader mind just wasn't having it at that moment. So if that's the kind of story that you're in the mood for, then you need to start reading Dune. That is Dune a hundred percent. Lots uh, of characters, crazy nonstop nonsense. Okay. I, I didn't start it. I didn't do it this, this year for that read along. So maybe, Maybe for I'll, shame. Yeah, I'll definitely have to read it before the movie comes out because I'm actually excited for the movie. I don't know. I'm not entirely sold on Timothy Chalamet as Paul. Mm. I just like the director because he did really good with Blade Runner and uh, Prisoners, if anyone's ever yeah, seen true. that. Yeah, true, true, true. So we'll see. <clears throat> All right, what's your next book? Uh, my next one is, 
I actually had to go back and forth. Um, it was going to be one of Lauren Bukes's books. Uh, ultimately, I went with it was either going to be The Shining Girls or Broken Monsters, and I think ultimately I went with The Shining Girls, just because that one was a little more, um, it was a little more fantastical, and that's kind of um, what I was wanting at the time. Broken Monsters was a little more. You and I read Buddy read uh, Broken Monsters, and that was a little more kind of straightforward procedural almost even though you know it did have its hints of uh otherworldly things going on but i just like the idea of the the time hopping serial killer that was a really cool idea and it's just it's yeah it's it's got a lot of creepy moments and uh i I could i definitely want to read it again because it's uh yeah it's it's pretty fun as much fun as serial killers time hopping are and just killing girls (laughs) yeah fair enough uh, my next one, I'm going to, I'm going to do my other Stephen King that's on my list was Wolves of the Kaya because like, okay, I really like the Wastelands. Um, that's probably my, my second favorite of them all. Mm-hmm. Um, but Wolves of the Kaya, like <clears throat> where it falls in the narrative of the whole series is so strong. Like all of the characters, who they are and what they're, what they need to overcome is so well established. The, the quartet is fully there, you know, especially now that we have, um, Oh my god, I'm drawing a blank. Mm-hmm. The priest. Oh, Father Callahan. Father Callahan. Like now, once we have Father Callahan, and we feel like the group is whole, and it's probably the last time that they're going to be fully whole, and they have a very set set, um, you know, goal to reach and and thing to overcome. Like I just love the way they interacted with each other and and with the people, and like I don't know, that one was just my favorite. Like it just felt like this really good fantasy adventure story. It was when I could love all of the characters the most, um, like seeing who they are, seeing how they love each other, like without facing the big bad, mm-hmm. but knowing that this was a really important battle was really just, I loved it so much. Yeah. See, I've only read books five, six and seven once, but I've read one through four, at least, at least three or four times each. But it, when you look at it in the, grand scheme of things it is really just kind of a side mission book but it's really the only book you get where like you said you have everybody together they're all um they're together pretty much the entire book and they're doing things together whereas either the other the previous books he's still gathering everybody and then pretty much after this book everybody goes off and does their own thing so it is not a side mission yeah well no it's not what they do in the next two books, well, not Song of Susanna so much, but yeah. in the Dark Tower, this is where they realize what the breakers are. Yeah, that's true. Like this was the last key piece of information about how to how to defeat the Crimson King and get to the tower. True, and I, I guess Psy King would probably get pissed at me for saying that because it's. I feel like his whole thing is it's kind of everything Roland and the Cotet does in the entire story is for something. It's not for nothing, you know. Right. It's all about it's all about progress, hence cause a wheel. <laughs> Truth. Um all right, well thinking about combining these two because they're um No, I'll leave them separate. So uh everybody knows one of my recent favorite horror authors is James Newman, and he told me to try um some other stuff of his that wasn't particularly straight up horror even though this has horrifying events um it is called ugly as sin and um 
basically it's just about these it's about a down and out wrestler and these crazy fans come and assault him and cut his face off and yeah they cut his face off and he tries to get back into um wrestling but they won't let him because he's too ugly and they don't want that there and so eventually he it turns into a revenge story and he wants to go back and get um revenge on them and uh it's been a while since i've read it but i know his daughter comes into the mix uh for some reason and he was saying after he finished that story he got a lot of shit for people being like have you not heard of the movie the wrestler that's almost what this is and he was like yes i know what the wrestler is and no it's not the same thing (laughs) (laughs) No, I would agree with that. Yeah, no, it's it's really good. It's a novella. It's it's maybe like a hundred and twenty pages, maybe. So, but he's he's really good um, at explaining so much in in so little. Like I, I felt like I read a full length novel in a good way. Like it didn't feel long winded at all. It just kept going at a really good pace, and it's pretty intense. It's really good though. All right, I'm here for that. Yeah. Uh, my next one is called There There uh, by Tommy Orange. So, um, I don't think I expected to love this book as much as I did, especially because, okay, so what happened is my university that I work at, um, you know, in order to like increase our diversity and inclusion and stuff has a reading challenge. Um, so like every, almost every month of the year is celebrating a different culture. And so the challenge is like to read a book that celebrates ours from that culture every month. Um, so November um, was like First Nations Native American History Month. Mm-hmm. And so I originally wanted to read um, a book by Joy Harjo, but they were all out of the library and I saw this this book. Um, and it's about uh, a big powwow in Oakland. And you are following all of these different characters and all these different things happen. And the end is like a giant cliffhanger. And I was like, oh my God. But I was like, I was compulsively reading this book. Um, like how all these like there's these characters are all connected in ways that you don't realize and and like information overlaps and and it takes place at kind of different times. Um, but I just remember I finished the book and I was like, holy crap! Like it was really really intense. Um, and I it was just a really solid reading experience. Um, and I enjoyed it a lot and it gave me really good perspective on um the fact that like native life is not just on reservations like this is people who are who claim native heritage and practice native heritage but live Mm -hmm. in really urban environments and i think that was really it was just really fascinating to read and think about um i read like three books written by native authors in november because stuff just kept coming up that i was like i want to read that i want to read that i want to read that um i was stuck between this and lead feather by stephen graham jones which was also really excellent, but that book was also kind of frustrating, so that's why I did not make it mm. onto the list. I still haven't read anything by him yet. Yeah, I'm reading... Uh, well, I'm getting his new book when it comes out next year, uh, uh, The Only Good Indian, and then um, I have Mongrels is on my list for next year in, in November, October okay. or November, I think. So was that book... Is it Was it setting itself up for a sequel, or was it just kind of... It doesn't no, really matter how it, it ends. No, it still tells an entire story. Okay. I don't know that it really matters how it ends, but I, I, I have heard, because it's considered literary fiction, mm. um, and so I have heard that there might be a sequel or, you know, set in the same world of people uh, book coming out in the future. Okay. Probably wouldn't be for years, though. Because it's kind of strange to end it on a cliffhanger if it doesn't doesn't continue but again sometimes it's i don't not... even know if cliffhanger is the right word but like 
unresolved. You know, like the, <laughs> yeah, like the big the big scary thing happens at the end, and you have a, see a little bit of afterward, but like you don't know if everyone's okay. You don't know like there's information that you know about the characters, but you don't you'll never know if they shared it with each other. Mm-hmm. And it's really important that they do. Like it will be life changing if they share this information with each other. And you don't know if they do. You don't know if the conversations ever happen. And it just like I think about it all the time. Like I think that was very effective because I'm sometimes I'm like, oh my god, how did this person react when they told them this thing? And like, oh, it just I, I, like genuinely like frustrates me. Hmm. I'm definitely guessing. But in a good way. Like that's yeah. what's so annoying. I'm gonna throw that on my list then because it sounds really good. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It was really well done. Hmm. Uh, who was the author again? Tommy Orange. Tommy Orange. Like the color. All right. Um, this one, this one is probably my number one of the year. Um, but like I said, I just ordered them in uh, the order I read them this year. But uh, this is the Thicket by Joe R. Lansdale. Oh, I want to read that one so bad. <laughs> um, it. I, it just it blew me away from beginning to end. Um, to not go into too much detail about it, just what it's about is um, I'm pretty sure it's set in like the 1800s. The book description doesn't tell me, but um, this boy and his sister, um, their parents have died from the uh, the smallpox epidemic, and they live with their grandpa. And um, one day, these uh, it says bank robbing bandits. Uh, murdered the boy and girl's grandfather and they kidnap his sister so it says uh, with no elders left for miles jack must grow up fast and enlist a band of heroes the likes of which have never been seen if his sister stands any chance of survival but the best he can come up with is a charismatic bounty hunting dwarf named shorty a grave digging son of an ex-slave named eustace and a street smart woman for hire named Jimmy Sue, who's come into some very intimate knowledge about the bandits and a few members of Jack's extended family to boot. So it's it's almost kind of like it's almost kind of like Wolves of the Kala or Magnificent um, Seven. You know, he's got to get these band of people together to help fight these other band of bad people and uh, save his sister. And I'm so glad that they're filming the movie because uh, Peter Dinklage is supposed to be playing Shorty, and that's going to be amazing. Yes, I can see that. Yeah, so it's it was, it was very tense, very well written. Just um, that definitely kicked off my love for Joe Lansdale. I'm actually reading one of his books right now, which is a very short one. It's the Happen Leonard series, um, which um, I just remembered was a TV show. So I want to finish the first book. Yeah, I want to finish the first book and watch the first season because they have the whole series up on Netflix. Nice. Yeah. So. Um, James Newman has actually cited Joe Lansdale as his favorite, uh, author ever, which, um, I can see why he, he definitely knows how to craft a good story and his writing is amazing. So I think, uh, I'm going to get on a Joe Lansdale train here pretty soon. Sounds like a good choice. Yes. Okay. So my next one is going to be kind of controversial. It is even controversial to myself. Ooh, we like, um, we like controversy. Okay. So it's ninth house by Lee Bardugo. Okay. And a lot of people were kind of disappointed in this book. And I understand why. Cause like Stephen King said it was super good. Like she got really good, like pre-release hype mm-hmm. and she's always going to be hyped. I mean, that's just the author and the, the universe that she's built. But here's the thing. 
it's not anything unique or special in the in the realms of like sort of the urban fantasy that it, it is, but her approach was really good. So Ninth House is like um, there are eight secret secret societies at Yale, but there's actually a ninth one that regulates the magic of all the secret societies and makes sure that they don't you know break certain rules. Mm-hmm. And the Ninth House is the ones that actually like have the most access to magic to a certain extent. And it's about this character who can see ghosts without having to take these drugs and kind of like her name is Alex. It's Alex's adventure. Alex comes from a really messed up background. Um, The system at Yale is completely abusing her for her talent, but it's also tackling like fraternity culture and racism and classism and, and drug use and addiction and all of these other things. And it does it in a way that's somehow like sassy and not patronizing. Mm hmm. But also doesn't say dismantle the culture at the same time, which is a really weird, hard thing to balance, you know, because obviously she was a member of a secret society, too. So she when she was at Yale, so she believes that they have a purpose, you know, but also that there's toxic crap that needs to be confronted, and that there's always going to be people who abuse the system. And so even though there's all this really fun magic, that was probably the least interesting part of it to all of to all of this for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more that like, let's look at. Let's be an insider in this world critiquing the world to the outside. Like, that's really fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, also, because I am a sucker for a good ship, like the Alex and Darlington arc, like, I'm here for it for as <laughs> many books as she's going to write for me. Um, like, I'm in, you've got me. So that's the other thing, too, is like, I think we'll look back on Ninth House and see that it was setting something up. And by the time we get to the end of the series, we'll be like, holy crap, so much of what we needed to know was was there. We just didn't know it. So it is planned to be a series. Yes, definitely. Okay. I've seen so many people talk about it and uh, recommend it, but I never actually uh, read what it was about. So hearing that actually has me pretty interested in it now so okay i was afraid that was gonna happen <laughs> so i'm gonna good. do the rest of this with a cough drop in my mouth there you go i got too too excited and my throat started to tickle <laughs> sorry power all right what's your next one we're almost to the end of the books yes um okay so my last one is um it's another uh novella because apparently um novellas were the thing this year with me anyway because there was a lot of I good like ones gonna come back that's totally fair yeah um so this is called in the scrape and it's uh the second one on here by james newman uh he also co-authored it with um a fellow named mark steensland um so uh, see i'm terrible at read I, I always have to read the book descriptions because me saying what it's about I might inadvertently give away too much or not say enough about it, but um, so this yeah, I think it's funny we're trying to be non-spoilery with our book reviews because we probably will be with TV and movies. Yeah, probably. Um, well, I, I guess more or less, it's just about these two brothers. Um, they have uh just an asshole of a father. Um, and because it's a novella, so that's it all happens pretty fast. So just basically, they plan on running away from him. And going to be with their mom in California. And um, let's just say things don't go as planned. We'll just, we'll leave it at that. What do you like about it? It, uh, well, that's the thing is, 
it's one of those stories that it has horrifying things and just lots of bad things happen, but it's, there's, there's really no, um, fantastical element. It's all real people, real situations. These types of bad shit things happen in real life. And that's what makes it scary is, you know, sometimes you don't need, uh, fantastical monsters or or (laughs) ghouls. All you need is just bad people and that's definitely more scary than you know any monster that like Stephen King or something can come up with even though he's come up with some pretty scary monsters that are just plain old humans so mm-hmm. and that always fascinates me that you can make um just people's actions and words scarier than a monster and that's pretty much how this whole novella is is just showing how bad like the dad is as a person and just yeah Plus, the writing is amazing. Um, I've never read anything else by Mark Steensland, um, but I definitely need to seek some more out and give it a go because um, the two of them together, man, it it flowed so well. I couldn't tell. It felt like there was no discernible difference between their styles, and they, yeah, they meshed really well. So the writing itself was amazing. Yeah, it's always impressive when that happens. Just like I don't think I can really tell the difference between King and Straub and like the Talisman. Um, I definitely couldn't tell the difference in the talisman. I feel like I could the half uh, third of Black House that I've read. I, I feel like I could tell the difference. Um, maybe just because I wasn't into it as much. Um, oh, like what would he sound like versus what does King sound like? He, uh, well, like the beginning of Black House to me, it may have been King, but it was it was almost like it was almost like a script because it would say like, Oh, we, we focus on this house where this person lives and they're doing this thing. Uh, and then this happens and it'll totally say, now we fly a block over to this person's house. And I'm like, what is going on here? Like, (laughs) this is really weird. Like it was kind of cool at first, but because it's King and Straub that went on for the first like 25 pages. And I was like, Oh my God, let's get moving. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I can see that getting very annoying. Yeah. But in in their defense, from what I hear, it does take a little while to get into it. And I feel like I always stop right where things kick in. And I feel like I stopped right where stuff (laughs) was about to happen. So I just need to get back to it at some point. Understandable. Yeah. Okay. So my my last favorite um, was a YA novel called The, The, The Astonishing Color of After by Emily XR Pan. That's a great title. It is. Okay, so basically, and I'm not spoiling anything because it's all pretty straightforward. So the book starts with the main character's mom completing a suicide. And it's, I mean, it's devastating. And then she finds out that, like, she has, um, her mom is from Taiwan, I want to say. When she finds out that, like, she has a whole family there that she's never met. And this whole family history that she doesn't know um, because her father was an American. And so she decides to go there and, and meet that and meet her family and kind of explore why her mom ended up the way that she did and, you know, the things that her mom went through in, in her family life and everything. And there's so there's a little bit of magic in it as well. Like um, there's all the stuff about birds and incense and like it just would tackle something really emotional in a really good way. And like I was just blown away and the write, the writing is just insanely gorgeous. It was such a good book. And who who was the author again? Uh, Emily X R Pan. Okay. 
Um, I've been, I'm not someone that's against YA. I just, it's, I guess it's not really my thing, but also maybe I just like, uh, maybe I just like more adult themes, but you know what? There's been so many YA books that people have told me about and I'm like, had you not told me it was YA, I would have just assumed it was, you know, an adult novel. So, um, yeah, I mean, people think there is a lot of YA that's like teenagers falling in love and finding themselves and all that, but there's also a lot of really good like sci-fi and fantasy that's out there. Or I think that YA handles some heavy shit mm-hmm. a lot than adult lit. Like somebody joked that adult lit is just a man cheating on his wife and trying to figure out what that means, <laughs> and that's kind of accurate. Yeah. Like you're like straightforward contemporary time, not magic, not whatever. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's it's people having affairs and ruining their their marriages and trying to figure it out, or being abusers. Like there's so li- there's very little I feel like that people consider literary. I say that with air quotes. Yeah. And I feel like it doesn't always deal with the big stuff very well. I mean, like think about like the Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. Mm-hmm. That could never have been an adult literary book. There would have had to be too much politics and too much bullshit instead of just the cause, the effect, the emotion, you know? Yeah. Like that book would not have worked if it was not a YA book and not about young people experiencing this. So yeah, I recommend YA. I think that we need to evolve our opinion of the genre. Mm -hmm. Especially because like, I mean, one of my favorites that's ever been written was the, the Illuminae files. Like, one, they're visually compelling, but the stories are also really interesting. You know, there's nothing more fun than teenagers taking on the big bad corporation. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually bought a book from uh, Thrift Books earlier this year. Um, I was looking for, I think I was looking for just like coming of age stories. I wanted to find just a good coming of age story. And this one book, I, I still haven't read it, but I read the description. and was like, oh, this sounds really good. And I, so I bought it. And, um... Flipped around and looked at the back, and I just immediately saw nothing but like YA praise. And I was like, "Oh, apparently this book is a is a YA book." I was like, "But the story sounds really good, so I might have to get What's to it." Uh, I th- oh god, I think it's called Mosquito Land. Oh, I have that. Yeah, I, I do that too. I mostly just love the well, not mostly, but um, the cover is what made me want to look and see what it was about because it's got a really great cover. It does have a really great cover. So, well, since I have that too, maybe next year we can get around to buddy reading it. Yeah, definitely, because I need to try to broaden my horizons on uh, YA a little bit. <clears throat> I can help you with that. Yeah, I figured. Until Bookstagram, honestly, I think I was primarily reading YA. Bookstagram helped me get back into re- like horror and other and other things. I mean, I always try to keep it with like, you know, what won the Pulitzer and why and like that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think it's funny if you look back at like the beginning of my BG, there was like some horror, but it was mostly YA. And that's who I was mostly interacting with and friends with. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, Oh, but horror is so much fun. And yeah. I want to read more Stephen King and yeah. things just happen from there. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So are we going on to movies? Yeah, let's do movies. All right. Well, um, I won't go. I feel like one of mine is going to be the same as one of yours. Um, Endgame? Oh, no. You're only talking about horror movies, aren't you? Yeah, I'm only going to do horror movies. Um, okay. Although, okay, I'll, 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 we'll see when we get to the end of it. Um all right, so your first horror movie. All right, so again, this is just in the order I saw them in. Uh, although I probably have, I'll, I do have a number one, so I'll, I'll save that one for last. Um, 
but the first horror movie I saw of the year, which I think came out in like February, which is crazy, um, was Jordan Peele's Us. I haven't had the balls to watch it yet. Um, I mean, if you compare it to Get Out, it's definitely the lesser movie. But again, it's one of those things where the stories are absolutely nothing alike. So you can't really compare it. Um, mm-hmm. It's beautifully made. He was obviously given a bigger budget, but that doesn't mean um, more special effects or whatnot. Because it's, I've from memory, it's been a while since I've watched it, but from memory, almost everything was done um, practically. And, you know, I feel like he mm-hmm. sparingly used CG just where necessary. But um, it was very beautifully made, beautifully shot. Um, everyone, all the actors did an amazing job, especially uh, Lupita Nyong'o, but she's good in everything. Um Winston Duke, who uh, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't know who that Mbaku. is. Yeah, I'm like, you've Sick. seen Marvel movies, you know who Mbaku is. Uh, mm-hmm. He was hilarious in that movie. He did such a good job. It was good to see him something outside of a, mm-hmm. a Marvel movie. Although Mbaku is my favorite, like, thirst tweets. Oh, like, God. People post about him, like, being hot. Yeah. Those are hilarious, especially when they made him read them on BuzzFeed. Uh-huh. Oh, it was, like, awkward and wonderful to watch. Yeah, he did a he did a thing on the GQ YouTube where it's, like, my... 10 essential things like they carry with them every day and um mm-hmm. just uh he's he just seems like a really cool guy because he was saying after he did black panther he kept getting all these offers for roles kind of like that just these big strong uh heroic types and he was like no like i he's like i'm a normal guy like can i just play a normal dude and then us came around and he was like yes this is exactly what i wanted Mm-hmm. him trying to scare off sure. the, the others is just is like the highlight of the movie it's so <laughs> funny they, they show it a lot in the trailer so that's not <clears throat> a huge spoiler but yeah us okay um well for me because it'll be brief i do have to say that endgame was one of my highlights of the year yes i i'm not sure that i like plot wise i thought everything was perfect or anything like that but just like it was such an experience and, like, I can't say that I didn't love it because that's been our lives for, like, over a decade now. Yeah. You know, I think it was just so impressive that you have to love it. Definitely. Um, you know, it, it was funny and sad and it had all its good moments. And, I mean, there is nothing better than having people straight up say, that is America's ass. Because it <laughs> is. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because my husband saw it before I did. And he was like... I can't remember. I said something to him where like we made a bet. I was like, "This isn't going to be a heist movie." And he goes, "Oh yeah, I want to bet because he's like, it's going to be like a heist because I'm like, oh what they're going to try and steal the stones from Thanos and blah blah." Like he was just kind of messing with me, and I was like, "This isn't a heist movie." And then we get halfway through, and he goes, "Yeah," they're like time heist. And <laughs> time I was like, heist. "Oh my god!" Like he really had me there. He likes to hold that against me. So there was. Uh, do you remember the Transformers movie that's also like Medieval Knights? And there's, yeah. like, a dragon and stuff. That this exists. You remember this exists, yes? Yeah. Okay, so one time we were at the movies, and, like, a preview for that started, and Joey's like, oh, it's the new Transformers movie. I was like, no, it isn't. Because <laughs> he had seen it before and knew that it was, like, this medieval knights thing. Yeah. To start before you saw the Transformers. And so he really likes to use that as a reason when he tells me something is this. I was like, no, it isn't. <laughs> that's, his, that's his rationale for it. But I really, like, he really got me on that one. Yeah. It was a heist movie. I, I was wondering because I like to read all the trivia on IMDb and um, before it came out, I read that the Russo brothers uh, quoted saying their inspirations for this movie were, there was a couple movies they named, but one of them was Ocean's Eleven. And I was like, 
Ocean's Eleven. That's kind of weird. And then midway through the movie, I was like, oh, like, oh. I see that now. <laughs> yeah. Which I love Ocean's Eleven and 13, 12. That's, oh God, don't even get me started. But I definitely can see that influence. And I don't know, heist movies are yeah. so much fun. I think that was, that definitely yeah. added to the, the fun element of this movie because we all knew it was going to be a pretty big downer from about the midway point on. So, yeah. Yes. Finale, all right, what's your next one? Finales are hard and they did a damn good job. That's for sure. Um, next up is uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Mm, I, mean, I have not seen that yet. I mean, the nostalgia factor alone was yeah good. But also, I like that um, well, it was co-written by Guillermo del Toro. Um, so that already was a huge plus. Um, but I like that he took the essentials for all the stories he used in the movie but um kind of made him his own which is which is good um because you weren't expecting certain things to go this way or that way and you know he tweaked him to his own unique style and it even though it was a pg-13 movie there were a couple scares that like to me again i always reiterate jump scares to me aren't they're effective for making you jump they're not scary um giving you chills to me is what's scary and i think there was a couple scenes that actually gave me the chills like i gripped the seat and got straight up goosebumps because it was actually (laughs) pretty creepy um and it was a really effective horror movie especially for being only pg-13 but then again you know i I love the first two insidious movies um those are pg-13 and they are pretty damn scary so yeah i don't think an r rating is necessary for a good scary movie somebody was talking about it was an article i read they were talking about the conjuring and they were like have you ever thought about why the conjuring is rated R and they're like, think about it. Um, there's next to no blood. There's no, there's not a single F word in it. There's no sex scenes. They're like, it's rated R because it's just too damn scary. And I was like, Holy shit. I never thought about that. And that's kind of rare for them to do that. Yeah. When I think about it, I I think it literally just says like rated R for terrifying scenes or something like that. It's which is, yes, I love that. They don't have to include a justification. Yeah, exactly. So, all right i'm excited too because i think uh real quick side note the director of that is doing uh, i want to say i think he's tapped to do the talisman movie i could be wrong Um, no i think you're right i think you're right but i I feel like i remember hearing the losers club not be happy about that oh really man well because um he i watched his first american movie which was the autopsy of jane doe and that was really good uh, the movie is so creepy I it like, was i do not like that movie uh, i thought it uh, it was so good i really liked it there was i watched it alone in the dark in my bedroom and there was there was one part in the beginning um you know they kind of did a little um foreshadowing and i seriously looked around my bedroom at the empty bedroom was just like oh i wonder if that's gonna come back later <laughs> so yeah it's okay right now. The stack of laundry is so high and leaning in such a way that when the lights are off, it looks like oh, a tiny no. <laughs> a tiny person is sitting in our laundry basket. Uh, well, onto something that is not scary. All right. Um, and I said I only have four movies, so you'll okay. have to do a little extra talking here. Okay. Uh, I actually really liked Booksmart. Oh God, yes. I thought it was it was so much funnier and weirder than I was expecting. Like. People kind of sell it as super bad, but with women, and that's yeah. pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, in terms of like their awkwardness and how screwed up the night gets, um, I think 
probably the moment that I like died laughing the hardest was um when they were watching porn. Oh god. <laughs> and plugging the aux cable. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. I was just dying. Uh that long awkward silence and Jason Sudeikis just says, Was that Cardi B? <laughs> <laughs> and I also think that the fight between the two girls about about, you know, not going to college and or like what's gonna happen next mm. for them was way more effective than uh Seth and Evan. Yeah, definitely. Like, I, I think that was a, a more real fight. Mm-hmm. Because I also think girls tend to be a little more codependent on each other than guys do. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so. I I just remember I remember hearing like how how uh, smart and funny it was, and strangely, I hadn't seen any of the trailers or anything. And um, just one day I was browsing through Redbox and I saw. Booksmart in there. I was like, okay, you know, like it was like I'm, I'm in the mood for a funny movie, and I keep hearing this is really funny, and I'm glad I went in with almost next to no knowledge of it. I mean, I knew what it was about, but I hadn't, like I said, I hadn't seen any trailers. And um, the opening scene when they're dancing outside the house, I was like, I know exactly what we're in for, and I'm all in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty accurate. That's a good, it's a good read. Yeah. Um, my next two are both horror movies, so if you want to do two in a row. I think you should. Um, I'm gonna we'll just be horror moving it up. Uh, I'm gonna assume one of your horror movies is one of mine. Um, and that would be. Uh, all right. Yeah, we'll move on to that one, uh, which of course had to be it. Chapter two. Yes. All right. Yes, it is. So I guess we won't go too in depth because we have a two-hour-long episode dedicated to that. Um, the longest episode ever. <laughs> yeah, but you know it. It's. It was hard in the book to wrap up the adult section. It was hard in the miniseries to wrap up the adult section. And, you know, it was going to be even harder to wrap it up in this adaptation because the first one is so beloved and was so good that it's definitely going to be a challenge. Did they stick the landing? No. I don't think they did. But did I still feel... Oh, God, yeah. Okay, I guess here's the thing. I'm not always a fan of fan service. And if we want to do an episode on the Rise of Skywalker, oh we could probably address that. <laughs> um, it was, I almost put it on the list, but then I'd have to spoil way too much. So I figured since we've both seen it, we might as well just do an episode on it. Yeah, we we'll um, But I also felt like they were really speaking to the reader. Like, I know that they changed a lot of things and some stuff was, like, really stupid because it had to be visual. But, like, I feel like this emotion of realizing, like, how seriously attached to these characters we are, Mm -hmm. I feel like that was that was shown. You know, like, I I feel like sometimes directors are like, this is my vision. And, like, they don't always respect the feelings of the people who love the book. Yeah. That's why I feel like the Harry Potter adaptations are so good because I think that the – the huge emotional attachment was really respected in the way they made the movies. No matter what they changed, I feel like there was like a core there that was that was still there. And I feel like that about it chapter two. Like I feel like emotionally what I needed was there. Even if we, you know, basically talked crap about it for two and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I still satisfied in some weird way. Like emotionally I'm satisfied. Logically I am not. Because because yeah see there was so much to love but then when you look at it as a whole you're kind of like mm, it didn't really work altogether, did it but again it, it you know even uh, uncle stevie would tell you it's not about the ending it's about the journey and you know damn if this wasn't a good well, it was, it was only, a very good journey yeah it was only yes. a two-year journey for us but yeah yeah all right so um 
Am I doing my next one or are you? Yeah, your next one. Okay. So um, my next one, I'm just going to go right into it, is Crawl. Um, Joey watched that without me. I really did want to see it. It. Oh, so we have it. I just haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's put put logic aside. Know what you're going into and just have <gasps> fun. Those kinds. That's yeah. what creature features are for. Exactly. That's. I feel like <coughs> I'm, I'm like actually really happy that it, it did surprisingly well at the box office because that shows that people still want to see creature features and this mm-hmm. to me is one of the better ones um i mean they kind of ruined themselves for a little while when they remade the piranha movies it, yeah and just went really weird and booby with them yeah um, i think a classic creature feature i think there's definitely still a market for that and same director too so that's kind of funny <laughs> oh my god really yeah <laughs> um but this was a lean like 90 minutes you know it, it's one of those ones that takes maybe 10 minutes to get into and once it does there's no let up it's the next 80 minutes are just high octane and and it was just so much fun um like i said there's a there was a couple things that um were kind of laughable like okay i know what kind of movie this is but really like that's that's a bit beyond belief but nonetheless it's it was so much fun um yeah you, you definitely need to watch it it was it was really fun all right i'll definitely give that a try Right now, I've, I've finished a lot of TV series in the last few days, so I'm pretty proud of myself. <laughs> so I think for me now, i got to settle down and catch up on some movies. Yeah. Okay, how many do you have left? Two? Uh, nope, I have one more. That's it. Okay, so I'm going to do my next one. Okay. Um, so this was my fourth movie, and I did. I have been saving my favorite of my lists for the last. So my favorite movie of this year, genuinely, was Happy Death Day to You, mm. um, the sequel to Happy Death Day. Have you seen it? Yes, didn't like it as much as the first one. <laughs> How dare you? Because, <laughs> I know. okay. So Happy Death Day was a, you know, very fun supernatural slasher movie. Most slasher movies will just do that with a different killer the second time around. Yeah. Instead, they go into like the science of time travel and figuring out how the time travel part happened mm-hmm. or the go the you know Groundhog Day part happened, not the killer. They did not give a crap about the killer. Yeah. And I love that. That was so smart. You know, like she's in these like sideways realities and all of time has changed. And like, I, I loved that. I love that. I was like, this could have just been, all right, let's slightly tweak the formula of the first movie. What does the sequel to slasher movie look like? And they just threw that out the window. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's what I like so much. I was like, it just subverted my expectations. And I had so much fun watching it. Also, I think Tree dying over and over again to Paramore's hard times is probably one of my favorite things I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, that was a really good sequence. Uh, not that I didn't like it. I, I did. I just, by the end of it, I was like, okay, that was good, but I don't think I had as much fun with it as I did the first one. Yes, the first movie is definitely more fun, mm-hmm. but the second one made me think. Yeah, I like that they went more like, sci-fi. Like, it really sucked me in. And, and that's the thing. Yeah, they definitely went more sci-fi, but it's still scary. Mm-hmm. But it's so funny because there are some times where we're just sitting down and I just start thinking about it. And I'm like, say something to Joey. And he was like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> what conversation were we in the middle of that we're suddenly having again? Yeah. So, yeah. Yep, that was my that was my favorite. I'm, this year. I, I'm kind of bummed that that one uh, underperformed compared to the first one because the director said... Mm-hmm. Um, he has a really fun idea for the third movie, but he said at this point, it's kind of looking unlikely that it'll get made because the second one underperformed. He said, he said, I would support a go. I would support a a Kickstarter to make that movie happen. Yeah. He's, he's, he said, don't write it off completely, but he said, as of right now, it's looking a little unlikely, but who knows? Uh, who knows? Maybe if anything, they'll just 
go back to the, do the whole, okay, like you can do whatever you want, but we're not going to give you very much money to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. So hopefully yeah. he can, because he, that, uh, I don't know if he's done, that guy that wrote and directed it did, has done anything else, but I feel like he obviously has a clear vision for what he, for stories he wants to put out, because he, he did do a good job of both of those, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. For sure. Um. All right, so my favorite horror movie of the year, and just one of my favorites of the year, um, probably in my top three, if not top two, um, is Dr. Sleep. Nice. Don't ruin anything for me. Uh, no, I won't. Um, <laughs> have you read the book? Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's right. Dude, um, weren't you in the read along, or did you not do the Doctor Sleep one with us? No, because I f- finished it, and then I think it started the next month. I was like, oh god, I can't do it <laughs> two months back to back. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, if if there was any person capable of doing this movie, it was definitely Mike Flanagan. Yeah, I have. A, I trust him a lot. To do adaptations. And it was kind of weird. There was a review I read that was giving the movie so much praise. And then all of a sudden they were like, it, the blurb from the article was like, directed by Mike Flanagan. It can't hold a candle to Stanley Kubrick's original. And I'm like, where did that come from? Like, (laughs) you're giving the movie so much praise. And then by the, and then by the, it's like, by the way, this director is totally incompetent compared to Stanley Kubrick, which two different styles. I mean, come on. Yeah. But I mean, I just feel like after Haunting of Hill House, he has such a command of mood. Yes. And definitely. he has such a creativity around how how to make that happen. Yeah. I'm I'm very excited that he announced uh the director's cut coming in January with an extra thirty minutes added in, so now the runtime of the movie yes. is gonna be exactly three hours. <laughs> And, and, yeah, and I feel all, like we deserve that. Yeah, and already the two and a half hour runtime just kind of flew by. I feel like it didn't. There was no sags anywhere. It you were invested the entire time. So, and yeah. it, again, I'm one of the few not movies, but the books. I'm one of the few that likes Doctor Sleep better than The Shining. So, uh, I don't know if I like. I mean, both of them are in my top ten kings. Mm-hmm. I think I still like The Shining more. But I think a lot of that has to do with the context under which I've read it. Mm, yeah, definitely, definitely. So I think that's part of it for me. Yeah. Um, the, the, no, like oh, I've read it twice, and both times were like experiences. I mean, clearly we became friends during the second time, but yeah, exactly. I I, I do want to read it again. Um, it's come. It's been what almost two years at this point now. So I'm I'm definitely curious to read it again. Um, yeah, maybe I'll get to it sometime next year. Um, and it does bum me out that it did terribly at the box office, which sucks. I get that it's kind of hard to introduce a sequel to a movie that came out 40 years ago, um, and market it that way without being overindulgent on Stanley Kubrick's, uh, movie, you know, so, uh, oh, well, maybe, uh, I can't, I think. I want to say I know he's doing something else King related coming up. I can't remember what that is though. Um, I know sadly he's not directing the entirety of Hill House season two. I don't even think he's directing any of them, but I know he wrote it. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Well, that reminds me before that comes out, I got to read Turn of the Screw again. What is that? Because uh, uh, that. The Haunting, it's called The Haunting of Bly House, is oh. actually season two. Oh, okay. Um, and it's based on uh, Tom Hardy's Turn of the Screw. 
Oh, okay. Well, I need to read both of those. I need to read Haunting of Hill House. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my God, what's wrong with you? I know. Did you not listen to Paul and I when we told you to read your Shirley Jackson? <laughs> yes. Uh, you monster. I know. All right, TV. Um, all right, so do you want to Let's kick talk it about off? the one we both know is going to be on there. Oh. Let's start with The Mandalorian. All right, yeah, The Mandalorian. Um, Still haven't watched the season finale, but... It was um, not what I was expecting, so I will enjoy your reaction. Okay, so, I mean, even though I haven't finished watched the season finale, I can still throw this on the top five. There's a couple other shows that I haven't finished that I felt like could have been on here, but I'm only, like, maybe midway through the season, and a lot can happen in half a season, so I didn't throw them on here. Like, uh, Watchmen has been consistently great, but I'm only on, like, episode five of nine or something like that, so didn't want to throw that on there. No, I gotta watch that one. Um, Atypical is a very good show, but I haven't finished the third season. I'm about a third of the way through. Um, yeah, I had like eight TV shows. Yeah. Um, and so I had to take a couple, so I also have some honorable mentions. Um, and a couple that I like, I just finished. Like, I finished The Witcher yesterday. Oh, see, I still haven't seen that. Really inconsistently, inconsistently paced season. But what I learned when I did some Googling is that the first season is the prequel short stories. So it builds up to the actual action of the Witcher books and games. Oh, wow. Um, so basically, you get a lot of these characters' motivation. So you get the whole journey of them across like about 100 years until they actually all converge on each other. Because mm-hmm. at first I was like, what the hell's going on? I was like, and they drop these hints that they're all, some of their stories are taking place in different times. And I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> but then you hit, I think it's episode four. And I was like, all right, I'm in. You've got me. Um, yeah. I can't say it's one of my favorite things I watched this year, but I have I'm really excited for season two. Yeah, it's, so it's definitely going to get one too. Because why did you love the Mandalorian? Tell me about. It. Um, I mean, other than the fact that it's Star Wars, I like that it was a very um, I guess I'll say subtle show. It's not over the top. Like <laughs> he's so dry. Like I don't think you could be <laughs> Mando and be over the top. Yeah, it, like it's not. It's not a George Lucas exactly. I will. That is very clear. It's it's a Star Wars Western, and Westerns aren't you know very big and showy. They're very subtle and gradually build, and that's exactly what this show does. It it doesn't necessarily build dread, but you just know you are working your way towards something. And um, I was telling Victoria that I was watching the the second to last episode and the last I told her, you know, the last 30 seconds shit is just going haywire and I'm sitting there watching it. And I, and I said on a couple occasions, I was just like verbally going, Oh, Oh no. Oh shit. Oh God. And then it ended and I was just like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, without going too spoilerific on that. And you know, we also have the child for eight episodes. Right. So Yeah. It's not baby Yoda people. <laughs> It is Baby Yoda. I am Team Baby Yoda. <laughs> um, we'll talk about that more after you realize how the, sh- the show ends. Okay. This. Oh, shit. All right. It was not a bad thing, but it was amusing. Okay. So, best thing is, like, I, I liked that the show was subtle. I am really, actually, really glad the episodes were only a half hour. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it just allowed for some tighter storytelling. Um, Like connections had to be established differently. The visual story had to be different. Like it's clearly a show that can be 
you know, prestige television and could be an hour and could compete with like a Game of Thrones. But I like the half hour. I feel like that really added something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Because you'd get to the end of the episode and be like, wait, what? Yeah. I loved that feeling. I haven't been that excited about anything in a while. Yeah, I listened to one podcast where they were saying, do you think if Disney Plus had dumped the entire season at once, we would still be kind of talking about it two months after Absolutely it came not. out? Yeah, and I'm like, I don't no. think so. The week-to-week thing is what's keeping the I steam going. Because then they should have just, they would have just made it a movie. Yeah, it's technically the length of a long movie. Yeah. Um, but no, I think that they they did it really well. I also, uh, someone made a really good argument about why Baby Yoda is not just a money grab. Mm-hmm. And that it is an important part of the story. Because if it was just a money grab, we would have already known that Baby Yoda toys are being made and released. And there would have been a spoiler. Oh, yeah, Whereas definitely. For the sake of the story and the surprise, Disney held off. And that's why we're not getting anything until like March. Um, apparently we have, well, we have, uh, Donald Glover to thank and blame for that because he talked to John Favreau about it and said, um, don't start any marketing with, you know, with the child yet. Um, because he's like, that's going to be in a big part of the show. And even though you reveal him in episode one, he's like, you're going to want that big reveal. And I know a lot of people gave Donald Glover shit for that, but it's like, no that was genius yeah and it's like do you do you really need uh memorabilia that much that you're willing to sacrifice a you know a good reveal and that comes in the first episode like come on (laughs) no it was all about the story and i think that was really smart yeah so but it's just it's just compelling television it's a story that hasn't been told in a world that we think we understand Mm -hmm. i love that although i don't like calling him mando there's something about that i feel is really like insulting yeah right that feels a little derogatory (laughs) It does. Yeah. And like I said it out loud and I was like, mm, no. Yeah. Like and I had been thinking it before when I was like, oh, what are we going to talk? When we, I was like, okay, talking about the Mandalorian today. Being like, I don't like that. I don't like calling him Mando. Yeah. When I like, talk did to anybody him, even bother to ask him his name? Yeah. I, I genuinely wonder that. Yeah. It's probably something we're not going to get until like the end of the series, if anything. Um, but when I talk to people about it at work, they all say Mando and I say the Mandalorian. So. Yeah. It's not even the, it's a, a Mandalorian. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, and I'm sure it's, it's not, uh, a co- it's probably just a coincidence, but, uh, episode five is titled the gunslinger and I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I saw <laughs> that too. I was like, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So are we moving on with one of mine or with one of yours? Uh, we can do one of yours. Okay. So, um, hands down, I think the funniest show and just consistently good show in general this year um, was definitely the first season of What We Do in the Shadows. Okay. Um, it's strange because Victoria and I had watched like the first two or three episodes and I asked her, I was like, have you have you still not watched the movie? And she said no. And so I was like, okay. So we put it on and it's a really short movie. It's only like 82 minutes. But um, afterwards... I was like, you know, I really love that movie, but strangely enough, after watching just those couple episodes of the show, I think the show is actually funnier, which is really hard to do, considering how hilarious the movie is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's because, you know, they're able to expand on uh, ideas and bring in new characters, which, you know, just definitely makes it fresh. You're not following the same characters from the movie. Um, and they recycle a lot of jokes but the um punchline is different which is 
kind of cool that they did that. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for season two. I, we watched it as it aired and then however long, two or three months later, I saw it was on, uh, Hulu. And since that's only a, you know, 30 minute show, I think I binged the entire season again in one day. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So definitely that was, I'm really excited for season two because it was really funny. Yeah. Uh, so one of mine that I'm going to talk about, uh, did air in 2019. I didn't discover it till 2019. Um, even though it's been on for a while and that was the Orville. Mm. Um, I, Seth MacFarlane irritates me. <laughs> like it's one of those, it, I'll, I'll say it this way. He's one of the guys where I look at him I'm like, objectively, I find you attractive. Subjectively, <laughs> you're a dick. <laughs> However, the Orville is so interesting for a show about aliens and like, you know, it, it's Star Trek, but Star Trek, if it was a little bit more woke. Yeah. You know, and, and their adventures are different and they really take the concept of like what an alien looks like a little bit differently. And there's all these weird stuff with like gender politics. And I don't know. I like binged all the seasons in like a weekend, I think. Mm-hmm. I started watching it. Oh, gosh, because I, I must have started watching it in like January because if I look at when the series came out, the third season, it went through April, but I watched it before we moved. So I don't know, but I just did. I binged all three seasons like in a week. Mm-hmm. Um, Sounds like somebody else agrees. Himself. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He wants me to let him out, but I'm like, you chose to be in here with me, cat. <laughs> this is, this is your life choices. You have to live with them. Um, but I don't know. I just found myself surprised by how much I enjoyed it, both in terms of finding it humorous and having feelings or attachments to the characters and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like it was just really smart in that way that I I, I was surprised. and had to give Seth MacFarlane a little bit a little bit of credit for not being a just total twat. Yeah. Um, also, there's a character in there. He was on. I think he was on ER for a while. Scott Grimes. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he works with, he does voice stuff for, uh, uh, for McFarlane a lot. I'm just like, Oh, he's just adorable. Like that's how, <laughs> yeah, he was on ER. He was doctor on ER. He's a ginger, which is my favorite kind of person. Um, and I was just like, yes, like I just love him. So I, I kind of feel the same way you do about Seth McFarlane. Like just, he's one of those people who just looking at him, I'm kind of annoyed already and I haven't even like heard him talk or how he is or anything. I'm just like, this guy kind of looks like a douchebag, but honestly like he's a really smart writer i haven't seen a million ways to die in the west but from what i understand <clears throat> it's pretty bizarre i was gonna say it's it sounds entertaining like, it sounds like that's probably his biggest misstep that he's done um but I don't, you it, just hate that he's smart he's smart and he knows it that's what you see when you look at him yeah he knows how smart he is yeah he does see a little seem a little pretentious but you know but anytime like i hear him talk or anything he does seem like a genuinely nice guy he just seems like he doesn't say anything um bad about anyone or anything else if anything he's a little self-deprecating which is my kind Mm. of humor and a lot of people hate it but you know and i think it was when he hosted the golden globes that i was like "Mm, no because he sang a song that was basically like we don't really care what actresses do we just want to see their boobs (laughs) and i was like you're Um, an asshole like that was a joke that someone should have caught way beforehand when we're starting to challenge like the gender gap in Hollywood, Mm -hmm. someone should have caught how stupid of a song that was. Yeah. Like, bruh, 
come on. Yeah, and I, f- I want to hope that that was it was just a joke. It's not his point of view. He's I- never apologized for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he I, kind but- of was like, uh, "Ox, sorry to feel that way," and just moved on. Which I, I also get that response. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, buddy. <laughs> like you're smarter you know, than it, this. <laughs> yeah, like your sexual politics need to be more evolved than this, and I believe that they are. And that's why I think like the Orville was really redeeming for me of like, okay, he's not as much of a douche nozzle as I thought he was. <laughs> um, I've only seen a couple, uh, maybe an episode that somebody had on at in, at work in the break room or something, but it's not what I was expecting. I honestly was just expecting a Seth MacFarlane sitcom set in space, which yes, it is. But after watching just that one episode, I was like, oh, this is a little bit deeper than I was yes. expecting it to be. Um, it, yeah, I, I think what happened is I finished something else. And you know how Hulu will just pick a random thing and start playing it for you? Mm-hmm. I did that with the Orville and I was like hooked. Oh, wow. So I thanks, have, Hulu. I'm going to have to give it a go then. Um, I guess we'll move on to another funny show and probably all around best show of the year and that was uh season two of barry um i mean it's bill Hader already there's there goes shooting the top of the list but he um wrote i think he wrote the entire season um i know he directed a few episodes he directed what is hands down probably the best episode of tv in the last oh my god at least five years um to not go into anything spoiler about that episode, it just, he wanted to do that episode a different way, and it had to do deal with, um, like, a physical fight in the beginning of the episode, and he said, how can we do this different, and somebody told him, like, well, don't do it all showy in Hollywood, like, he said, film it like how you would film two people actually fighting, and how it's, you know, rough, and very uncoordinated, and, you know not clean and that is the majority of the episode it's a 30 minute show and i'd say a good 18 minutes of that is just them fighting (laughs) that's terrifying yeah and it's it's funny but also at the same time it's very brutal which is the entire show you can be laughing one minute and then gasping the next because of uh bad shit that happens and um both seasons have ended on terrible freaking cliffhangers, um, which is which is good. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to see what he does in season three, and I really want other people to watch season two so I can talk about that one episode. Um, I can't. It's somewhere in the middle of the season. I think there's only eight episodes. So I think it's like episode five or six. Um, but yeah. Okay. Uh, my next one that I really enjoyed was uh, Stranger Things season three. Oh, I did not put Stranger Things on here. I cannot believe that. Yeah, I know a lot of people didn't like it because it feels like, and and the end of season three feels like an ending, even though I know, I think we know they're all contracted through season five. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was just like the coming of age moments in this season, I think were especially good. And it felt really relatable to remember being like 13 and you know, your first girlfriend or boyfriend and like that kind of feeling. Like, I just feel like they, they do so good at capturing the nostalgia while also still telling you a story. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think it was just, I, just, I really enjoyed the season. It had a good balance of silliness and scariness and story. And yeah, I had a really good time with season three. You know, I think, I think I, 
I need the last show I wrote on my list. I think I need to bump that off as an honorable mention, which I'll get to at the end and say and throw Stranger Things season three on there because it might be my favorite season of the series. I think it's my favorite season of the series too. Um, I, I think it got the dynamics between the kids more figured out because the addition of Max in season two really did throw things off, mm-hmm. which it would in a, in a real situation. Like that's what would happen is like, Oh, another girl in this group of all boys and one girl. Yeah. Um, and then it like letting Max and L be friends, I think was really important. Oh yeah, definitely. Like not just for L as like being normal, but like, I don't know. I feel like it was a positive representation of girls not competing with each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I think it helped that Max and Lucas were a thing, but still like, I think that was really important. And I, I definitely think that the, I agree with all the, everyone else saying that the MVP of that season was Maya Hawk. I, I, I'm with that. Was what? Was Maya Hawk? Um, oh yeah. Rhonda. Oh my god, yeah. The, yeah. the character and just her portrayal of it were, yeah, she did a really good job. She popped up in, um, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for about two minutes um and even just that little scene like she did really good um she only said like 15 words but but still like i she's she's definitely um becoming a very just commanding like she can command the screen pretty well for the short amount of time she's on there so um, considering her parentage that makes a lot of sense yeah no kidding um i was gonna say see the uh the uh bathroom revelation scene in stranger things so yeah, uh, and high five to Steve. Every season, they just make him more lovable. I and it's funny too, and not in a way that feels fake. I'm I'm really glad that they went a different route. They were wanting to make him more like uh more like Billy, I guess. Um, which is why in the first season he's kind of a jerk, but not terrible. Yeah. Um, and then they got to season two and realized, oh God, like people love him. We can't do a 180 all of a sudden and, you know, make him this douchebag. So I think we have to have somebody else be the douchebag and my God, did they succeed with, uh, um, Billy. Yeah. <laughs> Not a fan of him as an actor. Um, I mean, he does, he does a good job on the show. Don't get me wrong, but just, I don't know. I've heard stories about him and I'm like, I can see that. <laughs> That's sad. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm throwing Stranger Things season three on there because uh, I it totally blanked from my mind, um, and I'll talk about the last one I put on there as an honorable mention later. Um, uh, but my next show is a very, very heavy-handed um, HBO show that um, really surprised me, um, and that was Euphoria. Really, I didn't know that you were watching that. Yes, um, did you watch it? I have not. Okay. So, I mean, for those of you who don't know what it's about, it's basically if HBO did a teen drama, which it's HBO. They're very unflinching. Um, I was going to say, see uh, episode, it's either episode one or two. There's a locker room scene where I think you see a record, like 60 penises on screen. (laughs) (laughs) They wanted to go above and beyond and do like 180 or something, but it's like, we get the point people like, you don't need to do that. Um, no, if I need to be traumatized by penises, I'll just watch the director's kind of Euro trip. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, and, and props to the writers <clears throat> and directors. Cause they were saying, you know, there's the stigma of, Oh, you see male nudity and suddenly it's pornographic. And it's like, well, we're going to overload you with it on, on 
in just one episode, which, um, like, it doesn't make that specific scene didn't make me feel uncomfortable or anything, but there are some, um, scenes later that are, um, borderline rapey and that always makes me feel uncomfortable because it's, yeah, you know, it's other than it just being an absolute terrible thing. Uh, it's also something that you shouldn't be watching. You know what I mean? And well, it's, are we watching it for story versus for entertainment value versus is the sexual assault, sexualized uh no it is i mean that's what you have to balance like that's well that's how that's the difference between like a good sensitively made thing versus something that's like we needed a rape for entertainment value or we're gonna make we're gonna use a rape but we're gonna make it sexy like no that's bullshit yeah those are stupid no the person that they show being the um oh god i even hate saying the word i guess raper (laughs) uh rapist uh um I think you kind of see him doing that first and then later on they show who he is and you're just like, Oh shit. Like things suddenly make a lot more sense now. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, I said, it's a very heavy handed, very explicitly graphic show. Um, I remember, uh, Dax Shepard talking about it on his podcast and he was saying that he, he and Kristen had been wanting to watch it and, but he watched it because, you know, she had been too busy and he watched it and goes, I'm, telling Kristen to not watch the show because this show is her nightmare having two daughters. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm actually really excited for, um, season two, even though, like I said, it's very heavy handed. Um, and it, it was shot so beautifully. It's the aesthetic of it is very just gorgeous. And I yeah, like, that's what I hear about it a lot. Yeah. And I like that they take certain risks like, um, um, without giving anything away. One episode ends with it, basically turning into a music video like it's it's winding down and you're like okay the episode's over and then it just kind of kicks into a music video and you're like okay i guess i'm here for that now (laughs) that sounds like a good kind of ending yeah uh well my my favorite my next favorite this year uh not quite so heavy heavy handed uh was the netflix show dead to me with christina applegate that was another one i forgot all about okay so i was like oh this sounds kind of interesting I was in the mood for something kind of sad. And so I, over the summer, I had a lot of times where I was waking up at like 5 a.m. on the weekends and I was like wide awake. So I got up and I just, I was like, oh, I'm going to start watching this. And I got immediately hooked. Like I got up on purpose at 5 a.m. the next two days to finish it. <laughs> um, it is so, like, it does have sort of this tragic start of like this woman's husband dies and, and then, you know, how she connects with people. But it's a dark comedy. Oh, yeah. It's very dark, very comic. Um, like there's a there's something in it that you're like oh this is going to be what the twist is no mm-hmm. yeah is, is that the twist you think is coming yes but then the actual twist that matters to the show mm. not what i saw coming like i got to the end of the, the episode i was like oh my god if they don't make a season two i'm gonna start a netflix letter writing campaign <laughs> i'll be so like i'm gonna tweet them 10 times a day like this cannot this has to continue and they just finished fin- filming season two um yeah i, I think mean, they announced like, a couple days later that they were doing it uh it was about two weeks it was yeah. a while yeah um like totally brilliant performances from both of the leads they are just phenomenal yeah. um you know they're just like slightly unhinged one more so than the other like so so good um i think christina Applegate just like destroyed it she totally she got nominated for a golden globe and she completely deserves it like she was fantastic I was 
entertained and shocked and there was some gasping and like it was very very good it was it was a really fun experience to watch it and i really enjoyed the show yeah um and i think like i've come to realize i think like dark humor is probably my like favorite thing just because i love that you can be laughing like i said it's kind of like barry you can be laughing one minute and then just totally shocked and gasping the next minute because of horrible things that have happened and because i don't know i feel like it's a perfect representation of life actually you know you can be um loving something and be just totally overjoyed but then you can be totally overwhelmed with grief the next second you know and uh, as sad as that sounds i don't know it's it's i don't know i just like the fact that and plus it's it's also nice to just inject comedy into bad things it to me kind of elevates the story a little bit i'd agree with that for sure um was that your last one no, I have one more. Okay, well then, okay, so this, I think... This yeah, is your last one, this, isn't it? Well, uh, one, two, three, four. Well, then we'll uh, talk about our honorable mentions. Be, well, actually, I think this is my honorable mention, because I threw in Stranger Things with you. Okay. So, um, so this was last on my list until you started talking about Stranger Things, because I forgot all about it. Um, so my honorable mention is Nosferatu. Um, overall, I did really like it. Um, there was a lot... I disagreed with not to make not enough to make me dislike it. Um, the biggest thing is the tone. Um, they didn't. I don't think they made it dark or scary enough. It was kind of felt like it belonged on a not ABC Family like ABC Family like Freeform those kind of things. Um, it was just a little too. I, I get that they they made Vic um, a teenager. I think they made her eighteen the entire first season. Um, which is fine, but I felt like they were probably gearing this towards younger audiences. Um, I feel like AMC was like, oh, you know, let's let's make our own version of like Riverdale and stuff like that, which is the vibe I got from it the entire time. Um, but towards the end, I have it, to admit to you, I couldn't even make it through the first episode. Oh, really? Well, I just I didn't like how it felt. There was a, I was not interested. There was a scene. I think it's like the last like 10 minutes or so of the third episode that the look of it, the feel of it, the execution was like, this is exactly how I wanted the entire season to be. Um, I feel like it's one of those shows where I'll get around to eventually, mm -hmm. but I have no, I just don't feel like watching it. I feel bad about that. I want to support it. Yeah. Um, And I mean, luckily they're already, I think they might, be close to done filming season two they got on that fast which is a good thing i guess i don't know if that's good or bad maybe they're just like oh we said we'd give you a season two here and finish it and we'll be done with it after that (laughs) um but yeah there was an episode in the middle that was totally original there wasn't um wholly original to the show i don't think any of the well the character that it was mostly centered around isn't in the books um so the entire episode was mostly about her and like i said none of that is in the books and i, I can see because you know they're wanting to expand the universe a bit um probably my least favorite episode of the season even though um they are bringing in other elements that i do like so uh but like you know it's it's kind of like the episode in stranger things season two where it was all about 11 and the other people which is probably my least favorite episode of that entire series but yeah um it was kind of like that it's 
it was necessary even if as a whole you're like no i don't like this <laughs> yeah but um i am excited to see where they go because i i remember getting to the last episode and was like oh they haven't done this scene yet and i was like are they not going to and that's actually how it ended was on that scene i was like okay shit like you guys grab me again i'm here <laughs> yeah so we'll see how season two goes yeah well my last one uh is obviously letter kenny mm-hmm. so while it's been on for a couple years uh we just started watching it this year i actually just the new season just came out and i'm on the last episode already um because there was two new seasons this year we got two like a half season at a time mm, okay. um at first i was like this is so dumb like i thought <laughs> when you see letter kenny on the surface like okay it's farmers in canada you and it's supposed to be a comedy so you kind of immediately assume that they're going to be really problematic and they're not like it is a comedy show and it is pervy and horny and offensive but it's never cruel mm. and i think that's really important like some of the the dialogue they have which is like really fast and quippy and back and forth and really full of a ton of puns you know talking about gay people and about uh like women's rights and sex and the rights of native people and like all of these things that are definitely issues and stuff that they talk about in those communities but handled with like dignity while still being totally hilarious mm. you know and it's yeah. got, like it just it was one of those things where it took me a while to get into the show so like joey was watching it joey's really into it and then i kind of ended up being you know stuck on the couch with the baby and got like really into an episode and i was like okay i get it like he didn't <laughs> He did not, he knew I would like it, but he didn't make me sit down and go, like, this episode, this is the one that's going to get you. Like, that's not how it happened. He just kept watching it, and I would kept hearing things and being entertained, and then, now I'm hooked. He, like, he has to work. I am watching the season without him. <laughs> Uh-oh. He knows. I'm not in trouble. Yeah. But I'm so mad, because there's, like, two things I'm like, oh my god, we gotta talk about this. Yeah. But, like, I just feel like that's, that's where comedy like this should be going, is, like, you do not have to punch down. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important, especially in like sort of sitcom-y situations because they don't. And like they're a little bit fat phobic every now and then, but it just cracks me up. Like there was a, the opening of the seventh episode, I think it was. I was like, I immediately texted Joey at work and was like, when we get to this episode, like you and I are going to have to have a talk because <laughs> they, they have a debate as part of the opening before they do like the credits and I was like, oh my God, like it, it completely, like what I thought my answer was to that debate is completely changed by the end of that, like, you know, two, three minutes. So I was like, hey, we're going to fight about this. Yeah. This is what's, what's going to happen. Um, it also reminded me how much fun it is to watch hockey. <laughs> um, but like, it's just, it's so weird. And it does take a little bit to get into. Like, I think it's something so different that you have to kind of understand the rules of the world before you can really enjoy it. Um, but there are some episodes where I like, I just get to the end and I'm dying. Like, it's so ridiculous. Hmm. I've only seen like clips that people share on Facebook and whatnot. And I really like those clips because I, I'm someone who definitely loves dialogue and especially whiplash speed dialogue, which is pretty much every clip that's been shared about that show. Yeah. Um, but from the outside looking in, I'm like, Okay, even though I'm only seeing these two, three minute pieces of the show um, where not that they're not talking about anything. It's just they're just kind of razzing each other or what 
is going on specifically in that moment. But I'm like, how how is this translating into a entire 30 minute episode kind of thing? And like I said, I know I'm on the outside looking in at a two minute scene, but um, yeah, that was that was just my take on it. Even though the clips I've seen are just hilarious and i love the i love all the puns um my roommate has been trying to get me to watch it ever since he discovered it maybe a year ago and maybe maybe that's it it's like no i don't want to watch it just because you want me to (laughs) oh yeah we all have those things where we're like no that's not how this is gonna work uh and i will say like i don't think it's for everyone but it's a lot smarter of a show than you think it is on the surface Mm mm-hmm um, you know, just like the things they talk about or like, you know, they've got the dumb hockey players who are genuinely dumb. And like this show has definitely evolved. Like the, I think the later seasons definitely have more depth to them than some of the early ones. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know, like it's it's just funny and like weirdly respectful of a show. And I, I just appreciate how they approach the things that they do. So to me, it sounds like I've said that there are certain shows and writers where, like you said, they're talking about these heavy handed subjects. And even though um, they may not be saying the best things about it, like you said, it's never cruel. I've always said there's people who who can poke fun at making fun. Um, You know, you're you're more so like you are you might be saying these maybe stereotypical things about a certain subject, but more so it's saying about the people who say those kind of things. See, know? it's not even that. Mm-hmm. It's not even that. Like they had this whole debate about how they, there's a part where one of the characters says that's pretty gay. But the other character's like, well, what do you mean by that? And he goes like, there's a person putting a penis in a male, like a male person putting a male penis in a male butthole. Like that's <laughs> what they made by pretty gay. <laughs> like, you know, like they're very, it's, it's one of those things where they, they interrogate the things they think are like there's in the new season, there's a whole thing about like men and buttholes. And like, it's really hilarious of like, <laughs> you should give it a try. You should explore yourself. You should know what you like. Like, it's just, Oh my God. Like, and actually part of it, like literally it was so ridiculous. I was just waiting for the reveal that my mouth was just hanging open. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, again, like, I, even though I haven't seen it, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that even if, uh, whatever the whatever the company is that airs it in Canada, even if they um, cancel it or let it go or whatever, um, I know Hulu has the exclusive rights in America. Oh, I'm, Hulu will definitely. Keep yeah, it. I'm hoping if I they... think Hulu funded most of this the last two seasons. Oh, right on. Um, like I think it's more Hulu than Canada now. I, w- I wonder if Canada is the same way because I know like the UK, like um, um, you know, Channel Four and just all those big things like the BBC apparently the reason why you're able to watch all their shows commercial free is because I guess it's all um like it's all funded by like taxes that's where yeah that's where a chunk of their tax money goes is for television and entertainment which is actually kind of cool like I mean I get they're a smaller uh, country so they can do that you know you did that here each (laughs) people would also be pissed but also you would have um but some of our most enduring and important television is publicly publicly supported television. Oh yeah, definitely. Mr. Rogers, Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. Which I did not know that Sesame Street is on HBO. That's really weird. <laughs> that is really weird. Yeah, cat. Yeah, I get that you have an opinion. We're almost done. <laughs> um. This is a choice you made. Oh, I think she was, he's cussing at you. 
Yeah, probably. He's staring at the doorknob right now. Like, I'm going to figure out how to open that thing. I'm like, great. You do that, you genius. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I'm glad I'm glad we actually didn't. I was almost considering doing a uh, top 19 of everything, but dear God, it's already been 90 minutes. So <laughs> Top 19 of everything. That's a terrible idea. Ooh. Don't do top 20s next year. Oh, uh, well, we'll see. It, movies, it's easier because you can consume those a lot more. Or a lot faster, yeah. rather. That's why the... I feel like the top 19 of 2019 for movies would be pretty easy, even though sadly I, um, like I said, I only came out with like, out of every movie I watched this year, I only came out with like 23, like favorites. One where I was like, oh, that has to be on there. And I was like, that's it? Only 23? But uh, I can only come up with four. Like actually, I've watched a lot of movies this year. Hmm. Uh, I also, for some reason, the last couple days went on a massive binge of like Christmas romance movies. Mm-hmm. I have no regrets. Uh, well, plus I was also going for what was actually released this year too. Yeah, movie wise, um, that's true. Uh, but so did I. Oh, really? Yeah, those were only things that were released in 2019. Man, I, I I wanted to try to start doing a a like maybe a top ten of the of the decade for movies so i went back and looked at 2010 out of all the movies i i just i saw a list on wikipedia of all the movies released in 2010 out of that entire year i put three movies from 2010 on my list that was like, it. Mm, this is gonna be a long list the well i'm i it's gonna be really hard to narrow down because i wanted to try to do a top 10 for the decade um and uh yeah like i was really surprised i only put three from that entire year on there which i'm sure two of them are going to be kicked out it's really, it's harder than you think. Um, I told Victoria, I was like, I might be wrong, but I honestly think maybe my favorite movie from this entire decade is probably The Social Network. Oh my God, what's my favorite movie from this decade? <laughs> it's, it's pretty hard, but I got to thinking about it. I was like, you know what? I watch it at least twice a year. I've probably watched it at least twice a year since it came out. And it's, ugh, the dialogue in that movie is just amazing. I love the dialogue in that movie. I honestly don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> it's hard. It's really hard. And there's so so many movies that I'm like, oh, this could probably be on there. Like, I think Drive might be in the top three somewhere. Maybe. I think my favorite is something really stupid. <laughs> like, I'm like, this is the movie I watched the most that came out in the last 10 years. Actually, it's probably either Pitch Perfect or Now You See Me. Uh, I've only seen Now You See Me maybe once. So Okay, Now You See Me is solely responsible for like the really weird and intense attraction I have to Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> I-, I love Jesse Eisenberg. Okay, like I have always appreciated him as an actor, but after that, that movie, I was like really deeply attracted to him. <laughs> like in, oh, is it in Justice League or is it in Batman vs. Superman? Where he does the thing with the Jolly Rancher. Do you know uh... what I'm talking about? I know I've seen both of them. When he's but... being Lex Luthor and uh-huh. he puts the Jolly Rancher in the guy's mouth. Uh-uh. I don't remember that at all. Oh my god. Like I literally my husband just looked at me, he goes, You're gonna fantasize about that, aren't you? And I was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> all the way. Um, like, do you know when I say like you have like your celebrity five, do you know what I'm talking about? I think like so. from friends that if you like these are your celebrities that you can have a freebie with. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't have five, I only have four because I'm picky. And Jesse Eisenberg <laughs> is on the list. Like in a uh, heartbeat give me the curly hair he has the best mouth ever like i'm in <laughs> so do you like the social network then i've actually never seen it oh my god i mean 
I don't know. He I might- think Mark Zuckerberg is such a terrible person that I think it would almost ruin Jesse for me. I don't know if I want to go down that road. Uh, I was going to say, he maybe he'll make uh, Mark Zuckerberg sexy for you. <laughs> as Ew, hard as that no. is to do. <laughs> yeah, no, the no. he he knocked it out of the park with his performance. And like I said, the that's a dialogue-driven movie. And Jesus Christ, the dialogue is amazing. Like even just a little thing they're talking about eduardo loaning mark money and they're like okay so he loaned you eighteen thousand dollars plus another thousand that's 19 jesse eisenberg just goes wait just checking your math there yes that's what i got that's, that's what i got too <laughs> just like little things like that um i and just real quick on the whole him playing lex luther as as lex luther he was terrible but oh my god he was so terrible but had that been like the riddler or something it would have been amazing oh that's who he yes, should have been I mean, he should have been edward nigma <clears throat> he's too big of a name to be anybody other than like the big villain though and, and and i was i was actually really excited when they announced him playing lex luther i was like oh wow well they're going in a very different direction and i'm all i'm all for it but then i watched it and i was like you know i'm getting riddler vibes this entire time and that's who he should have been yeah <sighs> well it, what could have been yeah um also my honorable mentions uh sex education on netflix because it is so just weird and hilarious um i really enjoyed that one uh the new season of veronica mars except for the last episode not talking to you last episode mm. uh, was also really good <laughs> and then in terms of new shows that started this year um i'm really enjoying prodigal son uh, Which is the one with Michael Sheen, and he is like a serial killer, and his kid becomes a profiler. Oh, wow. Okay, but the actor who plays his son mm-hmm. is just a bug-eyed little shit, and <laughs> I want to stab him in the face. <laughs> but I'm very much enjoying the the way they're approaching the procedure and the profiling mm. um, that I can tolerate him. Um, I know a lot of people he talk about that show, me. Killing He annoys Eve. me, but I still want to watch it. Oh, my God, Killing Eve. Have you ever watched it? I haven't, but I've heard so many people talk about it, and I really want to get into it. It's so good. Like I, Sandra O oh deserves all the love, but I'm so glad that Jodie Comer won this last year because she is so, so good as Villanelle. And like, okay, so she, that actress, she's actually, oh, is this going to spoil anything for Tross? Um, okay, so Rise of Skywalker, they show Ray's parents, mm-hmm. and the actress who plays her mom is Jodie Comer. Oh wow! Right on. And I remember seeing that and being like, ah. Like she's just so excited. Like she's in a Star War. Like oh, that's pretty cool. Even though it was like such a tiny, tiny, tiny thing, but I was like, oh, like I was really pumped about that because she's just, oh, I fucking love her. Yeah, I, I've, I've, someone described it as like the best, like serial killer, um, procedural kind of show since Dexter, and I was like, yes, since which season really, of Dexter? Totally, <laughs> that is a very good equivalent. Yeah. Oh well, then, then I'm definitely all for it. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm starting to fully lose my voice and get a headache because my sinuses are deciding to fill up again. <laughs> oh, God. But I think that we we have shared a lot of good media. I think so. That people should listen to and watch and read and all that good stuff. And there's going to be more to my uh, movie list hopefully coming soon, especially now that I've watched the two movies that I wanted to watch before making a definitive list, which was uh, Rise of Skywalker, which, spoiler alert, is not on my top 19, um, mm-hmm. and Uncut Gems, which I saw yesterday or day before yesterday, which um, I described as a 135-minute anxiety attack in a yes. good way because it was 
really good right. but jesus christ um and so i think you and i uh recording wise for me and you i think we need to arrange a rise of skywalker yeah we'll recording we'll, just to just to talk about it did you go and see it again the other day uh no i did not okay we're all too sick we're too oh, sick to leave the house yeah i may i don't know i think i remember enough about it to not have to see it again because I don't. I've I've gone through quite an evolution of my feelings about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twitter has helped considerably with sorting those things out, but I, I think we will have a lot to say. Yeah, so, definitely. Because the more I think uh, on it, the more I add to it. Yeah. So things uh, to watch out for: Brad's top movies and the two of us hating. Well, I don't hate it, but I don't love it. I don't. In totality, my feelings are very neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, but individual pieces and parts, I'm like, yes, I liked this. I didn't like this. I was gonna say, I think I might be neutral to negative. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I heard that there there might be a director's cut that would change the ending significantly. Hmm. But it's really, you know, I, I know J.J. Abrams can be really problematic. I usually like him, mm-hmm. but he fucked up. Yeah, like I the best way i described it was you know i love jj abrams i love almost everything he's done he's a great storyteller but jesus christ if his writing was not extra lazy i don't know why they didn't keep ryan johnson i just don't understand anyways this is all bitching for another episode i know (laughs) we'll get there all right well go take care of your sinuses let the cat out before he claws your face off yeah he's already scratching up the walls i think he's gonna try and climb the door in a minute oh nope he's trying to burrow under the door and scratch up the carpet Oh, God. Okay, go take care of him. He's not damaging anything. He's fine. Okay. All right. Until next time. All right. Until next time. Until 2020. Woo! Yeah. Let's do it. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye.